He died, was buried, and rose again. And I'm so glad to be a part of this great family of God. Let us stand this morning, turn to the word of the Lord, reading from the fourth chapter of the book of Romans. Fourth chapter of the book of Romans. It was a particular battle that took place during the Korean War. The North Koreans had uh, buried themselves into a mountainside, into some uh, very uh, rocky areas, just almost impregnable. And uh, the Allied forces were trying to flush them out, but was to no avail. One of the, the men of the, the Allied forces wove his way through gunfire and bullets and, and everything else and got within 50 feet of the enemy line when he was struck down. And uh, throughout the night, the Allied forces could hear his wails and his screams and his cry, but nobody could get to him. Nobody could reach him because of the fire that was coming from the enemy. Suddenly there was a, uh, an officer in the, in the foxhole that would keep raising his hand, looking at his watch as the, the air and the night became lit up with the, the rockets and the, the gunfire and all of the explosions that was happening around them. He'd keep raising it, looking at his watch. More explosions would go off. He would raise his arm and would look at his watch. And suddenly, at precisely 9 o'clock, he dashed out of the foxhole, wove his way through the fire, grabbed his, his friend and drug him back to the foxhole. The sergeant came to him and said, why all of a sudden did you dash out of the foxhole to, to race for him and risk your life? He said, well, Sarge, it's like this. He said, it's 9 a.m. in Kansas, where I'm from. And my mama told me that she'd be praying for me every morning at 9 a.m. And I knew I couldn't fail because I had the strength of mama's prayer. Well, you know what? I feel like I'm dashing today under enemy fire, reaching for somebody, and I feel an all, a whole lot of strength because I feel the prayers of the people of God, and we can't fail. We can rescue the wounded. Does anybody want to reach out and rescue the wounded today? Bring them in. I'm telling you, we can't fail. There's a mighty move of the Holy Ghost here today. Praise God, praise God. The fourth chapter of the book of Romans and reading from verse number three. The fourth chapter of the book of Romans and verse number three. What, for what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. But to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Verse number 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also 
to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Notice verse number 24. But not for him only, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. My subject for this morning, faith's greatest reward. Faith's greatest reward. Would you ask the Lord to speak to our hearts? Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, dear God, for the opportunity to be in your house. Thankful, dear God, that we have the privilege to stand in the presence of the Most High God. Now, dear God, I'm asking you, Lord, that you join our minds together in the next few moments and do a quick work of the Holy Ghost. Touch hearts, touch souls, answer lives, dear God, and provide in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you lift your hands and voices and praise him one more time all across the building. Praise be unto our God. Praise be unto our God. Praise be unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you may be seated. God bless you. Faith is not some mystical, mental exercise. Faith has become diluted under much uh, thought and talk of our day to think that it's nothing more than mind over matter. It's not PMA. It's not a positive mental attitude. Faith is not you just thinking hard enough to make it happen. Faith is not you imagining it long enough that it transpires. But as, as simple as it may sound, faith is nothing more than a confidence that God will act in accordance with his word. Faith is nothing more than knowing and believing and have confidence that God will do exactly what he said he would do. That's faith. I believe that his word is more than a history book. I believe his word is more than an encyclopedia of days gone by. I believe his word is more than an account of notable events of yesteryear. But his word is God's promises. And upon those promises I stand and I believe that God will act in accordance with his word. The Old Testament remains full of the miraculous. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is a beautiful account of the miraculous works of the Holy Ghost. But may I remind to you, remind you this morning that all that was performed in the Old Testament in the way of the miraculous and all that was performed in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was all done on the basis of the future work of Calvary. It was all done on credit, if you please. Isaiah wrote in his writing in the 53rd chapter that by his stripes we are healed. He pointed forward to the work of Calvary some 750 years in the future. And he reminded Israel that God is working now, but he soon will seal his work by his redemptive process of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All that he's doing now is based on what he's going to do then. All that he's performing now is based on the work that will transpire outside of Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary. 
That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we studied about it this morning in our Sunday school lesson, but if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. In other words, Paul was telling his generation this, that if it was not for his death, but not his death alone, if it had not been for his burial, but not his burial alone, but for his resurrection, everything that he had done to that point would suddenly have been in vain and would have been no use. In fact, I believe it this way, that if he had stayed in the tomb, if he would have stayed that day in the cemetery and would not have raised from the dead, every miracle that he had performed to that point would have reversed itself. The lame legs that had been made whole would have became lame again. The withered arms that had been stretched out and made whole would have withered again. The blinded eyes that had been made to see would have become blank sockets again. The deaf ears that had been made to hear would have become silent chambers again because all that he did was based on that notable event of the resurrection of the dead. If that had not have happened, everything else would have fallen apart. But because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, faith is not in vain. He will do what he said he would do. Not just because he died, not just because he buried, but because he got up again. Oh, aren't you glad that faith has got a guarantee? Aren't you glad this thing isn't positive mental attitude? This isn't thing, this isn't something just because you think it hard enough. This is because he got up. This is because there was an Easter morning. There's the miraculous, there's the healing, there's power. Hallelujah. Oh, this isn't in vain. All of this isn't just a bunch of noise and an emotion and a commotion. I want you to know your faith will be rewarded because of the resurrection. The Bible tells us that faith is always rewarded. Faith never goes without a reward. Faith is never turned a silent ear. Faith is never brushed aside by the divine hand of heaven. But faith is always rewarded. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 to the nation of Israel in the 31st verse when he says, But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. Israel had the bright idea that they could achieve from God and receive from God if they worked hard enough, if they applied themselves, and if they did enough, if they performed enough good works, if they honored the law enough, then God would honor them. And Paul writes to them in the 33rd verse, he says, I tell you, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, not one that merely works. You do not receive from God merely because you're good enough, merely because you apply yourself enough, merely because you work hard enough. But the only way that any man receives anything from God is because that he has simple faith in Jesus Christ that he will act in accordance to his word. You don't get righteousness because you attend church enough. 
You don't get holy because you come and pay your tithes and your offering. You don't get salvation because you show up on Christmas and Easter. But you get righteous because you believe in the power of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I like it. I think somebody here the other night sung something about whosoever. I like that because I'm one of those whosoevers. Because he said, whosoever believeth on him. Not he that's got the right name. Not he that drives the right car. Not he that's got the prettiest Easter outfit on. But he that simply believes in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I believe in the blood. I believe in the cross. I believe in the man that hung on it. I believe in the tomb. I believe in the man that was buried in it. But I believe in the resurrection. Hallelujah. Faith is always rewarded. It was to the centurion and the Syrophician woman that the Lord acknowledged that he had never seen such great faith. No, not in all of Israel. While Israel had the idea that they could work for it. They could receive what they needed from God. While they had the idea that if they did enough of the law to receive from God. There was the Syrophician and the Roman centurion who were not Jews but were Gentiles. That came and pled before God. And on the basis of faith. On the basis because they believed in him. On the basis that they believed he would act in accordance to his word. The God of glory reaches across dispensational boundaries, reaches into a time that had not yet arrived, reaches into a space that had not yet come. It was coming but was not here. Reached across dispensational boundaries and got something that belonged to people in another time and brought it over into that frame of time and gave it to the Roman centurion and the Syrophician woman on the basis of faith. I'm telling you, if you'll believe in God, if you'll trust in Him, if you'll believe in His death, His burial, and His resurrection, He'll reach across every barrier, He'll reach across every boundary, He'll reach through every obstacle he'll reach across every difficulty I don't care how bleak the situation looks I don't care how black the situation looks I don't care how different the situation looks he'll reach across the line to do for you what you believe if you will believe him without faith it is impossible to please God but he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder that he is a rewarder that he is a rewarder of them that believe and diligently seek him oh yes Noah believed he had faith in God and he moved with fear and prepared an ark Abraham believed God and he received an inheritance. Sarah believed God and received strength to conceive seed. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as God dried it up for millions of his kids to cross to the other side. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. By faith, the harlot Rahab hung a scarlet thread outside her window and was saved. I want you to know Faith will always be rewarded. It must be understood that there are some demands that are placed on faith. There are some demands that are expected of faith. The writing that we have read to you today from the book of Romans chapter 4 tells us in verse number 19 that Abraham was not weak in faith. 
Verse number 20 says that he was strong in faith. There is a demand that is placed upon faith. Faith cannot be weak. Faith must be strong. Faith must not be diluted down. Faith must remain strong. Jude in verse number 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, this faith is strong faith. Christ rebukes for little faith, but he honors those with great faith. He rebukes those that has small faith, but he admonishes and blesses those with great faith faith. Everybody in this building today has got a measure of faith that has been placed within you. Let that faith grow. Let that faith build. Let that faith get stronger. Increase your faith. You see, strong faith is developed when the enemy says it won't happen, but you keep on praying. Strong faith is developed when the adversary says there's no use, but you keep on believing. Strong faith is produced when it looks black as a thousand midnights and you can't see your way through, but faith just keeps hanging on and believing that God will come through. Our faith must be strong not only must it be strong but there's a second demand placed on faith verse number 19 says he considered not he looked not at the deadness of Sarah's womb as a factor to whether God could answer or not if faith is to be rewarded we must not consider the difficulty we must not consider the insurmountable odds we must not consider the problems that lie in front of us there are some folks that are just born negative. There are some folks they just love to talk negative. There are some folks that just love to point out everything and every reason why that it will not work. But faith, strong faith, does not consider how tall the giant is, how thick the wall is, how wide the river is, or how broad the mountain. Faith does not even look at the deadliness of the enemy and the strength of the adversary but faith looks at the strength of the name the power of the cross the glory of the resurrection I'm blind to the obstacle but I can see the answer as God begins to prevail there's a third demand he staggered not faith must not ride the vicissitude of emotions Faith must not ride the roller coaster of life. Faith must not be up and then down. Faith has got to remain on a level plane. God doesn't change. He doesn't have blue, blue Mondays and sad Fridays. God, God don't, don't swing like a pendulum on the clock from one side to the other. God remains the same. Now, I know a lot of people that their vicissitudes ride emotions, or they ride the vicissitudes of life with their emotions. They're, they're up one minute, and they're down the next. You don't, you don't know whether you should shake their hand or, or whether you shouldn't shake their hand because you don't ever know how you're going to find them. They're up, they're down. They got great faith on a Sunday night high, but they're full of doubt on a Monday morning low, and they're back up on Wednesday. And they're back down on Thursday. He said, if you're going to have faith that's going to be rewarded, you can't stagger at the promises of God. Just keep it up there. Keep faith. It's dark, but I'm going to hold on to faith. I can't see my way through, but I'm going to hold on to faith. I'm by myself. It's Monday, but I'm going to hold on to my faith. Does anybody feel like getting a hold of a little faith today? I'm telling you, there's a reward for faith. 
It was the fourth demand placed on faith. Not only must faith, we must not consider, we must be strong in faith, must not stagger. But he said fully persuaded in verse number 21. Faith must not be laced with doubts and fears. We've got to become fully persuaded. Don't talk positive one minute and negative the next. Don't talk that God can do it one minute and then turn around out of the same mouth and say God can't do it. I'm fully persuaded. I, that's the problem with a bunch of people is their persuasion. Their, their persuasion is not persuaded. They've not totally, totally sold themselves out to the fact that God will answer my prayer. God will come through. If you're going to have faith that is rewarded, you must believe that God will answer. God will provide. When? I don't know, but He will. How? I don't know, but He will. Where? I don't know, but He will. I have faith in a risen Lord. I said I have faith in a risen Lord. What is interesting is the fact of the outcome of Abraham's faith. It is not mentioned either in our text this morning nor in the account that Paul drove, drew from in the book of Genesis chapter 15 that Abraham's faith was rewarded with the birth of Isaac, the long-awaited son. That was not the reward to Abraham's faith. That was, and although it was the reward, but that was not the reward that stood out either in the writing of Genesis or in Paul's writing in the fourth chapter of the book of Romans. It was not that he got a boy because he believed strong enough or that he believed hard enough or he believed long enough. It was not that God gave him that long-awaited seed merely because that he staggered not and considered not. But the greatest thing that faith was rewarded with in our text this morning was with righteousness. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. For the greatest reward of faith is not when God answers your prayer. The faith, greatest reward of faith is not when God straightens out the twisted limb or God fills your wallet with money. The greatest reward of faith is not when suddenly the clouds of despair roll back and sunshine comes through after long weary days of prayer. But the greatest reward of faith is when God rewards somebody with righteousness because they believed in Him. I want you to know there's something powerful about faith. There's something powerful. The only way we connect faith is with the miraculous. We connect, connect faith with walls coming down and giants toppling and, and rivers drying up. But I want you to know the first place you encounter faith is when you believe in a risen Savior. He said if you'll believe in a risen Savior, I'll take the unrighteousness of your heart. I'll take the ungodliness of your life. I'll take everything that's not right with you. I'll take everything that's wrong with you. I'll take all the impurities and all the uncleanliness and I'll place in your life as a mere reward of your faith in me the righteousness of my glory. That's the greatest reward of faith is when God declares somebody righteous. You see, works produce self-righteousness. If you try to work for this thing, you're not going to get his righteousness. All you're going to get is self-righteousness. 
You're going to walk around with your pharisaical ideas and, and snub your nose at all the world and, and think that you're holier than everybody else. That's what, that's what works produces, self-righteousness. But faith in a resurrected Savior, faith in a risen Lord doesn't produce our righteousness because all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. But it produces His righteousness, His holiness, His completeness, His entirety within our life. You see, doubt produces sin. Faith produces righteousness. Now, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't because that Adam and Eve, they didn't sin because they were disobedient. Their sin started in the realm of doubt. It's when they doubted that sin came in. It didn't happen when they took the fruit from the tree. It happened when they began to doubt. Because the devil understands the power of doubt. If he can get you to doubt, he can inject sin into your life. If he can get you to question, he can inject sin into your life. Disobedience always follows doubt. Disobedience never comes first. Doubt always comes first. When you get to doubting, then disobedience follows on its heels. That's why he told Adam and Eve, God didn't mean what he said. This is not all quite the way it's been made out to be. Adam and Eve gets to questioning. They get filled with doubt and questions about all of this. And because of their doubt, unrighteousness is produced in their life. I want you to know the devil can hold you in his ugly grip. The devil can hold you in his iron-fisted grip. He can hold you bound and fettered to the chains of sin as long as he can get you to doubt the reality of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as he can get you to question whether it really happened, whether he's really alive or not, whether he's really real or not, he can hold you bound in sin. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to question the tomb. He wants you to question that Easter morning. He wants you to question the resurrection. He wants you to question the facts. He wants you to theorize with it. He wants you to doubt about it because he can hold you in unrighteousness. But what the devil doesn't know is that if somebody would just start believing, if somebody would just start saying, he died for me. He died for me. His blood was shed for me. He was buried for me. And he got up the third day for me. And I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that creates righteousness. Oh, I've come to tell somebody today that the devil's told you a lie. You don't have to remain ungodly, and you don't have to remain unhopeful, and you don't have to remain in iniquity, and you don't have to re re remain with blackness in your heart and confusion in your life and carry the weight of sin. All you've got to do is just believe. If we could just grasp the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we could just grasp the dimension of its power, it would liberate you from sin. It would liberate you from the bondage of iniquity. It would liberate you from the filth and the contamination that has overrun your life and filled you with despair and dark and lonely moments. If you could just believe the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, 
We don't like to talk about faith in connection with salvation, especially we of the Pentecostal movement, the apostolics. We kind of shy away with talking about faith and salvation because that don't fit with most of our theology. That belongs to the the candy stick of denominational worlds to talk about faith and, and salvation. But I want you to understand something. Without faith, repentance is penance. Without faith, baptism is getting wet. Without faith, the Holy Ghost is meaningless and unimportant and carries no significance. There's got to be faith involved in this act of salvation. Now, you can pass over it all you want to pass over it. I'm telling you, this thing begins with faith. It doesn't begin with repentance. It doesn't begin with baptism. It doesn't begin with the Holy Ghost. It begins with faith. If you don't believe in the death, then you're never going to find the liberty of the death that he brought. If you don't believe in the burial, you're not going to find the resurrection power. If you don't believe in his resurrection, you're not going to find the glory of the new birth. You've got to believe in it. But you put faith in bat or in repentance, and you've got forgiveness. You put faith in baptism, and you've got a cleansing and a washing. You put faith in the Holy Ghost, and you've got a new birth experience that makes all things pass away, and all things become new. You say, Brother Borders, all i got to do is believe. I'm telling you all you've got to do to be, to be liberated from the power of darkness is just believe. The devil wants to complicate it. He wants to make it harder than all of that. He wants to tell you all the things that that's not even important. It's not relevant to the issue. God says if you'll just believe. It wasn't written for Abraham's sake only that he believed and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. It was written for our sake that if we'll believe on him that raised up Christ from the dead, then it will also be imputed unto us. Righteousness is gained by an act of faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, if we could just grasp what God wants to do through an element of faith. See, the principle end of faith is, is not that the miraculous may be granted and that we'll become a recipient of the marvelous move of God, but that righteousness may become part of our lives, that we'll become the depository of God's righteousness. Now, the devil would like to tell you that you've never got anything from God. And how many times has he told us, well, look, you prayed, but God hadn't answered. Look, you've been going to church and faithful, and God hadn't come through. Look, look at all you've done, and God hasn't met your needs yet. But you tell the devil, Look, I've got the greatest reward that faith can give. It's when I knelt at an old rugged cross and God took an aching, bleeding, sinful heart and stripped it of its filth and its unrighteousness and bathed it in righteousness. No man can stand in the glory of a resurrected Christ and not be made different. 
No man can stand in the brightness of that morning and feel the life and the liberty without having their lives changed and altered forever. Friend, I want you to know if your life is not changed, you haven't stood in the glory of a resurrected Savior. If you don't have your life put together and your heart's miserable and your world is falling apart and everything around you is filled with unrighteousness, I want you to know you've not stood in the brightness and the light of a resurrected Savior because when you stand there, when you stand before Him, when you believe Him, it changes, it alters, it makes everything different in your life. Is anybody glad you made your way to the resurrection one day? Mary, she goes, we preached about it here a few weeks ago. Mary goes to the tomb with her intentions of burying the Lord's body. But it was at the resurrection that everything was changed and altered and made different. And she becomes a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know why you've walked into this building today. I do know why. Because when, when they came to the tomb, Brother Tim, when they came to the tomb, the angels announced to them, Ye seek Jesus. You didn't know why you were here, but let me tell you why you're here. Ye seek Jesus. You're not here today because this is just Easter Sunday. You've not come today with just merely to make your family happy and to join them in a place of worship. But let me tell you why you're here today. You're here because you seek Jesus. The devil has clouded your life with sin. He's overweighted your heart with the burden of iniquity. He's overcovered you with unrighteousness. And you're wanting liberty. You're wanting to break out of the fetters. You're wanting to break out of the chains. You're wanting to break out of the bonds. You're wanting to be free from that old life. You're wanting to be free from those old cares. You're tired of the loneliness and you're tired of the frustration. And you're tired of the guilt and you're tired of the uncertainty. And you're tired of having no future. And you're tired of having no hope. And you're tired of the knots in your stomach when you lay down upon your bed at night. Wondering if the Lord would come tonight. If everything would be alright. And so you're not here today out of accident. You're here today because you seek Jesus. You're here today because you seek one that can make a difference in your life. You're here today because you seek one that can bring the joy and the peace and the happiness that nothing else or nobody else can bring. You're here today because you don't want to miss heaven. You're here today because you don't want to be lost. You're here today because you want something better, something different, something higher than what you've got right now. And all he says do is just believe me. Just believe me that like as I was buried and like as I raised again, so shall you also rise to walk in newness of life. All things passed away. All things become new. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this building right now. I've come to tell somebody all it takes is a little faith in the resurrection. 
I've come to tell somebody all it takes is believe in Jesus. I've come to tell somebody today that the devil can lose his grip from your life if you'll just believe in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You mean, Brother Porters, I don't have to climb any mountains and offer any big gifts? No, 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 no. Just believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and your faith will be rewarded with the greatest life on the face of the earth as we stand to our feet across this building today would you slip your hands to heaven and would you call unto him oh hallelujah that's it all over this building Every mom, every dad, every boy, every girl. We're standing in the splendor and the glory of a resurrected Savior right now. Not one that just rose to say he could rise. Not one that came from the grave just so he could prove it. But one that came out of the grave so he could make a difference in your life. So he could make a difference in your home. So he could make a difference in your family. So he could make a difference. The Holy Ghost is talking to hearts and souls across this building right now. The presence of the Lord is settling upon people in this auditorium right now. There are people in this building all over this congregation that you need something from Jesus. You need a special touch from him.